I commend our, all of our young families back there bringing their very little ones out on Wednesday night. Uh, sometimes I know it can be easier just to stay home, and I'm glad that you are here. Matthew 5, I want to read verses 14 through 16. Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, I think you can turn it down a little bit, Caleb. Jesus didn't say that, but I did. <laughs> Jesus said in verse 14, You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Father, help us tonight as we think about the words of Jesus and as he called his disciples the light of the world. And I pray that we would receive the instruction tonight that we can glean from your word this evening. And I pray that as we leave here, Lord, that we would understand our purpose as your people and that we would truly, Lord, be a light to the dark world. Father, help us to dwell in the light and to walk in the light, the Lord Jesus, and that we might be a light as we ought to be. Father, let us know that the source of light is not of ourselves, but it is in us in that we have the light of God in us through the person of Christ. Help us to truly be light in our world. In Jesus' name, and amen. All right, in our last lesson, uh, we looked about how Jesus had just informed his disciples that they were the salt of the earth. Now, the main purpose of salt at that time, as we talked about last time, uh, was to preserve meat and to keep that meat from decaying, telling us that the world is in a state of decay and corruptness. If it were not for the influence of Christians, of course, it would decay and become uh, corrupt even faster. And so imagine what's going to happen, you know, when uh, Jesus takes his people out of here. It's going to get bad real fast. Uh, now, Jesus tells them that they are the light of the world. And so, likewise, this tells us that the world is in a state of darkness. And so, decay and darkness... Uh, is the description of the world from the words of Jesus. And so we are called to be salt and light. That's our, one of our purposes as a child of God, is to be salt and to be light uh, in this world, to be an influence upon it. Now, it should not be hard, of course, for us to see the darkness of this world. I don't think it's hard for Christians uh, to see it. Uh, as we have the light of the gospel, it shined in our own dark hearts, because that's where we were at one point. Uh, Paul told the saints at Ephesus, for you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord, walk as children of light. You see, we were the dead, we were the corrupt, but now we are alive. We are in spiritual health. And I think we should be a burden for those that we see that are still in darkness, that are in corruption. Uh, we have the salt, we have the light, we have the answer. We should be burdened for those that are spiritually blind and in darkness. Now, Jesus has chosen us to be the salt and light 
to make a difference, to influence the world around us. And I think that as children of God, we, we have that desire to want to be that influence, to be that salt, to make a difference in the world, to be a light, to, to spread the gospel of Christ. I pray we be used of the Lord to want to turn others from corruption, to stay the corruption, to turn others from immorality to morality, uh, to proclaim the light of the glorious gospel uh, so that other darkened hearts may be able to see Jesus Christ. Now, I want to make some notes here of some things uh, about what Jesus says here to his disciples about being the light of the world. But first of all, when you first hear Jesus telling his disciples uh, that they are the light of the world, doesn't it remind you of something that he said about himself? Now, this was interesting to me. When you look up these different passages where Jesus talks about being a light, in John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus said this. You might be familiar with this. He said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have light of life. And so if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to, you're going to have light. But he says, I am the light of the world. Speaking of Jesus, John says in one, chapter 1, verse 4 and 5, In him Jesus was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Now we understand the light there is Jesus. He came into the world, it's dark, and they didn't get him. They didn't recognize him, did not comprehend him. He came into the world, and the world did not receive him. Of John the Baptist, in, in John chapter 1, verse 7 to 9, it says this, This man, John the Baptist, came for witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. He, John, was not that light, but was sent to bear witness of that light, that was the true light, which gives light to every man coming into the world. Listen, if anyone's going to see the light, it's going to have to be through Jesus. That's the only way to see the light. Jesus is the source of all spiritual light. He is the one that lights us. We are lights. We are lights as children of God because we are taught in the Word of God. We have who in us? We have Christ in us. The light we have is from the result of Christ in us. But there's something else that Jesus said about himself that I think that helps us with our passage here. Jesus said this in John chapter 9. We're getting closer toward the end of his ministry in verse 4 and 5. John 9, verse 4 and 5. Jesus said this, I must work the works of him who sent me while it is day. The night is coming when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. That's what Jesus said. So long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Jesus is not in the world. He, I didn't say that. He said that. He says, so long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. We are to be His light until He comes back in the brightness of His glory. Not long before Jesus had been betrayed and was crucified. Very interesting, when Jesus died on the cross, what happened to the world? It went dark. <laughs> the light of the world had been slain. That sounds like it should be in a song somewhere, right? The light of the world by darkness slain, right? 
But Jesus said this, not, long, not too long before he was crucified, he said, a little while longer the light is with you, referring to himself, implying that his departure uh, from this world was soon when you look it up in John chapter 12. So when Jesus tells us that we are the light of the world, we understand that when Jesus left this earth, he has commissioned us to be his light. He's not here physically. We are. We are to be his ambassadors. We are his light to the world until he comes back. And so as we see darkness around us at work or in our community, wherever it may be, you are the light. You might be the only light that that person that is in darkness has in their life. We need to think more like that. I don't know how many people are saved. That's not me to guess. I don't really know. But I believe there's a lot of darkness out there because we see a lot of darkness in the world at large. And so, note without a doubt, the vast majority of people are definitely still in darkness. You are the light. So I want to encourage you to be the light Christ has made you to be. That's your purpose. He has you here to be light, to dispel darkness. Your eyes have been opened to sin. Your eyes have been opened to the light of the gospel. The lost around you are still in darkness, and you are their light. Could you imagine how awful it would be if someone was just in darkness and they couldn't see, and you had a flashlight and you could help them, and you said, nope. <laughs> they're needing to walk around, they're needing, and they need light because they're in a dangerous situation, and they need to be able to see, and you say, well, I got the light, but I'm not turning on for you. I got a flashlight here, but nope. That's kind of, people in spiritual darkness, we've got the light. We've got the Lord Jesus Christ. He is the light. Shine the way before them on how they can be led out of darkness and into the light. Now we are light because, one, we have Christ in us who is the light, and we have the Word of God, which is also called light. His Word is what a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Now, secondly, the thing to notice about this is not only Jesus say to them, you are the light of the world, but secondly, for a light to be more effective, Jesus is teaching us that the light needs to be placed somewhere high to do the most good so that the light can spread further and influence the darkness more and dispel power over that darkness. This is why Jesus mentions that they are also a city set on a hill. He's teaching really the same principle. He says you don't put a a light under a bushel or a basket, uh, but you're a city set on a hill. Often, back then, were cities placed on hills so that the light that came from those cities, weary travelers could see the city a great ways off so as to get their bearings straight, get their direction right, to know where they were, were to walk. Then Jesus says, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket. A light is not fulfilling its purpose if it's covered up. I mean, why light a candle and then cover it up? There's no purpose in that whatsoever. When you want a light to be used in the most effective way, you place it up high. We know that. We have lights on the ceiling. We don't have lights on the floor. We want to place them high. At that time, they had lampstands or candlesticks. It's the same thing. It's just... It's just a stand that holds a candle. And you could put a candle in it and it would be higher than 
you know, and so you can shed the light there around you. Just, they're just tall holders to, to light the room. So Jesus is simply saying here that for the light to be effective, one, it cannot be placed under something, but rather, two, it needs to be placed upon something or up high, like a city on a hill or on a lampstand or a candlestick. Now, whether Jesus was implying this or not by his statement, I cannot be certain, but there is definitely something to consider here. In Revelations chapter, because it's not mentioned very often in the New Testament especially, uh, in Revelations 2, 5, when Jesus was rebuking the church at Ephesus for leaving their first love, he told them that if they did not repent, that he would remove, he didn't say their light, he said he would remove their lampstand or their candlestick. That's different. Meaning that they would no longer be an influence. They wouldn't be able to dispel the darkness. They would have no power. They would no longer be able to be a lighthouse for all to see. He did not say that the church would no longer be a light, but he did say it would no longer be an effective light. It's not going to be on a lampstand. Lose a candlestick. The Lord would bring them low. Cease from being a church, some would say. Maybe, I don't know. But at the very least, a very weak church that is not dispelling the darkness. Right? At the very least, a weak church not dispelling the darkness. How do we know if we're like the church of Laodicea? How do we know if we've left our first love? if we are not having influence over the darkness in our life. Because that was the effect of them losing the lamp, of them leaving their first love. Jesus said he's going to, their judgment will be they lose their lampstand, their candlestick holder. In other words, they wasn't going to have influence over the darkness around them. In other words, it was a judgment upon the church because the darkness around them was going to increase because they had left their first love. Now, that church, of course, was doctrinally sound, but had no effective influence over the darkness around them if they continued in their path. Now, as a church, that is a warning for us to make sure we do not leave our first love. Definitely a warning for us. But also, as individuals, okay, this informs us from the words of Jesus that we need, we need the church as well. The church is called the lampstand, the candlestick. So in order to be a better light for Jesus, we need the lampstand. We need the candlestick holder, right? We need the church to hold us up, to encourage one another to uplift one another in the faith. We need each other's light to help us to shine brighter for Jesus. A single light can do a lot of good. Completely dark room, a single light can do a lot of good, but you have to admit, more lights do better. <laughs> and we need each other to be a, a brighter beacon of hope in our lost world around us that sits in darkness. I think when a church faithfully assembles together, when we come together as a church, we are brighter in our community for the Lord. We don't need to be scattered. We need, we need to be faithful to God. 
Now thirdly, I want to bring this out. We ask this, well, how are we the light? He says, you are the light, and you need to be on a candlestick. You don't need to be under a bushel. So thirdly, we ask, how are we light? Well, first, I think it's appropriate to say that the instructions that Jesus gave concerning the Beatitudes must be implemented into our hearts and lives. I mean, he just gave these whole list of Beatitudes. If we want to be salt, we want to be light to the world around us, there's a really good stuff right there, right? We are a light to the world when we are meek. We are a light to the world around us when we hunger and thirst for righteousness. We are a light when we are merciful. We are a light when we seek after purity. Uh, we are a light when we are peacemakers. We are a light when we rejoice in persecution. We are a light when we walk in those beatitudes, right? And as we have noted, the world is not in favor of the light and it that we bear, and because it does love darkness, but we are to still be the light. Now, while we are light when we have those beatitudes in our life, Jesus mentions something very specific about us to be that light. And he says it there in the last uh, verse, let your light so shine before men. Then he says what? That they may what see your good works. So yeah, the beatitudes, we need those to be a light. Having good works without a good attitude isn't that great, right? We need both. We need good attitudes and we need good works. But, so, but here specifically, Jesus mentions good works. If we are going to be a light, we must have good works as His people. Now we may think of, when, when I first read this though, like you, you probably think of something else Jesus says, right? Does anybody think of another thing Jesus says? When He says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works, there's something else you might passage you might think of probably <laughs> i do I, every time i read that i think of something jesus says just a little bit later in the same sermon in chapter six just a little bit later he says this take heed that you do not your good works or, or your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them I'm like what's jesus saying you got to compare scripture with scripture what's the intent what's what's he teaching us here he says do not your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, he didn't say necessarily you're lost if you've ever been guilty of that, but you did lose your reward. Jesus says at first, let your light shine before men, but then he gives our motive right there of why we do our works. If we ever do a work and a man sees it, this should be the purpose for why we allowed it to be seen that they may glorify your Father in heaven. You want to be a light? Don't take the glory. <laughs> you want to be a light for Jesus? Want to shine for Jesus? Make sure He gets the glory. And we've we got to be careful of that, don't we? You know? Uh, and, and so I think that's the clarifier there. One of the clarifiers of our good works, we want to be a light with our good works, we give the glory to God. You know, when He says to not do charitable deeds before men. He says, to be seen by them. As I said, Jesus is not contradicting himself at all. So the purpose is to glorify God. The Pharisees did not do their works to glorify God. They did their works to glorify themselves. They wanted the praise of men upon them. They loved the praise of men. Christians, if we want to be a light for God, we should want men to praise God, 
But see, there's the difference. I, I like doing secret works. I like doing things, you know, people don't know about. I, probably most of us do. It can be fun, can it? You like to do things for people. Nobody knows about it. They don't know about it. Yeah, sure, that can be fun. Um, but some works cannot be done in private. Some works are done and everybody's going to know it. Jesus isn't condemning all those kind of works, but he has given us instruction on how to do them and why we should do them, that God might get glory, that people might see the light of Christ in us. Matter of fact, I would say all of our works should not be done in private. Jesus is saying, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. So I think to some extent, especially as a church, we need to make sure we lift up the name of Christ, we do good works, not so we get glory, but because so our Father in Heaven can get glory. If we want God to get the glory for what we do, then we must not sound the trumpet or draw the attention to self. But when men do acknowledge and know what good works we've done, let us be sure to direct that credit and praise to the Lord. And we do not want people to see us when we do good works, but to see Jesus, who is the light that is in us. And we should want His light to shine through us by our attitudes and by our works. Lastly, i just read this passage in Ephesians 5, verse 8 through 14. If you want to turn there, Ephesians 5, 8 through 14. Just some, I, don't, I don't, didn't want to take time to go through all of this, but just some really good instruction on being light as given by the Apostle Paul. Ephesians 5, verse 8. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. So he's telling you, what, how do you be light? Fruits of the Spirit, right? Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord. And have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret. But all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, Awake, you who sleep, arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. All right. Let's pray. Father in heaven, help us, Lord, to be the light you have told us we would be. And help us, Lord, to... Lord, shine, Lord, for your glory, not for the praises of men. Help us, Lord, to always to direct praise to anything we do unto you. I pray that others would see, Lord, the light of the gospel in us, that we would bear the fruit of God, the love and the joy and the peace and the righteousness and the goodness and the meekness. Lord, that people would see that fruit and they would taste that fruit that we bear in our life and want to know how we got it. Father, I pray that we would direct attention always towards you and all of our works. Help us, Lord, for this world is decaying and it is dark. But I'm thankful to serve you here in this church that you've been pleased to place us in and help us as a church, Lord, to magnify the name of Christ in our community. And help your people to be, Lord, uh, faithful to your house, to worship you, to work with your church, to be a part and to work together to be a brighter light for Jesus. In his name we pray, and amen.